Fantastic. Let's, before we, before we begin, let's pray. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we, as we're here in this moment, we, Lord, we pray, Lord, may we continue to get a fresh revelation of you, of your presence, Lord, Lord we pray, Lord, you speak into our hearts. And God, we pray, Lord, may we just encounter a real and living God. Lord, I pray, Lord, may all of us just encounter you in a real and living way. God, I pray, Lord, would you change our perspective of you, God? Lord, we, we pray, Lord, would we learn something this morning, a new, fresh revelation of who you are, of your character? So, Lord, we, I pray, Lord, as always, Lord, if, if there's anything off, that's off me in this moment, Lord, I just pray, Lord, may it just be forgotten, be blown away in the winds. But, Lord, we pray, Lord, may everything that's of you, may it stick with us, may it resound in the hearts, may it transform us, may it give us hope and freedom. In Jesus' name, amen. It's so good to see you all. Fans, great. <laughs> no, it's not, I'm joking, I'm joking, I'm joking. You guys are fantastic. I love getting to speak, speak to all of you and, to, and catch up with you. Um, it's such an honor and privilege. Fraser sends his regards, he says hello. He's, uh, he's on holiday, been on holiday this week. He'll be back um, tomorrow, but he sends his regards. We're going to be uh, talking about uh, it's, it's, uh, the theme of stirring the nest. And we're going to be looking at how Moses, he, we, know, we, we know the story of Moses, we know his, upbring, his upbringing, we know the troubles that he had, he knows that God puts him in place or in leading the nation of Israel out of Egypt. Um, and we get to a point where, where we're going to begin is where we go first read Exodus, but then we come to a point in Deuteronomy 32 where God is telling Moses, your time is now up, your time is limited. We're going to be taking, you need to, there's going to be a successor going, going on. And Moses, uh, God tells Moses to prepare this song for the nation of Israel to remember and to sing the rest of their lives. I don't know about you, but do you catch yourself sometimes? You're in the car and, and out of nowhere you start humming a song from when you were little kids. Anyone do that? And you're just like, where on earth did that come from? The amount of useless information that sticks on our head through the commercial, from, from the commercial. I, I was... Um, in the car with Poppy the other day, and we sing, sing song, uh, doing a couple bits of, of songs, and uh, Joy turns around and says, okay, let's do a playlist, what songs do you want? And out of nowhere, because we're trying to do, uh, think of songs that are appropriate for Poppy as well. Um, <laughs> I know. But then Poppy started singing, hey baby. You know, they'll go, hey, hey baby. She heard that on the radio a little while ago, and she starts seeing that over and over again. But out of my mouth goes, the Wombles of Wimbledon. I haven't, I haven't, know, I haven't thought about that song in, age, in ages, years. Normally you hear it in the, you know, the quizzes when they play the old, the old retro songs, and you have to try and then write the answer down. It's the first time years, and out of nowhere, and you start humming it, and the, Bat, the Batman theme tune, no, 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 no. You know, as, as you're running and you're trying to get to the next meeting because you know that you're, you're running late. You know, all these sort of things. The amount of useless songs that we have in our head just, just come and haunt us sometimes. And you're thinking, 
oh, good grief, if only people knew what goes through my head, that would be like... I'm glad I'm not the only one. There's a few big smiles around here. But in the same way, Moses kind of writes this song. He teaches this, uh, this song to the Israel nation. And we're going to be take, taking a, a snippet of that. And so, but we're going to, before we get to that, we're going to go to Exodus 19. And the word, if you, um, don't worry if you haven't brought your Bible. If you have brought your Bible, flip it open, open it up, turn it on. Um, but if you haven't brought your Bible, the words will be up on the screen. We'll be going from Exodus 19, 3 to 6. And it says, While Moses went up to God, Yahweh called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I lifted you up on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant, You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine. And you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. And then we go to Deuteronomy 32. uh, Just a snippet of part of the song that Moses is going to be teaching the nation of Israel. It says, he found him in a desert land. And in the howling waste of a wilderness, he encircled him and cared for him. He guarded him as the pupil of his eye. Like an eagle that stirs up its nest and that hovers over its young, he spreads his wings and caught them. He carried them, to his, he carried them on his pinions. Yahweh alone guided him, and there was no foreign god with him. He made him ride on the high places of the earth, and he ate the produce of the field. Of the field. Then later on, it says, later on it says, but Yeshua grew fat and kicked. Jeserim was a, a poetic name for Israel. And we, you have this imagery that Moses writes down of God being like uh, an eagle. And throughout the Bible, there's different references to how he lifts us up on eagles' wings and various things about eagles. And if you think about it, this, this imagery of God being an eagle and how he covers us, he looks, up, he looks after us. Eagles, they live in high places. They don't just live on the ground. They live, out, some, some obviously live in the tallest, tallest trees, but the majority of the eagles live in the high mountains, in the high cliff, cliff faces where it's just a sheer and utter drop. And... They will spare, they'll spend ages preparing a nest for the eaglets that are going to come for the, before the eggs are going to be laid. And some of these nests are absolutely huge. It's like having a double king-size bed in a tree. I mean, the, the biggest one, in, uh, I think, in Scotland, let me just read this, uh, was it, uh, according to my records, was in 1954, and it was 4.6 meters deep. And it was two. Me- That's always jump around. And it was it was about two and a half meters wide. But if you Google it, um, I didn't put it up because we didn't, I did, couldn't get the permission because you need the permission to use the photos. If you Google, if you Google it, some of these big nests that you have seen some of the trees, some of them are absolutely huge. 
And the eagle spent ages preparing a nest so it's just right. And even though it's got all these twigs and it's got all the other stuff that goes into the nest, nothing sticks into the nest. The nest is nice and comfortable. It is the perfect position the, for growing up. It's a safe place. It's a nurturing place. It's a, it's a place of growth. However, at the same time, this nest is put in such a place that even though it's comfortable, even though it's nice and, even though it's nice and warm, even though it's protected, the predators aren't going to get to it. It's in such a place that if the eagle doesn't do its job, the eaglets die. The eaglets are solely reliant on the eagles to do their job. If the eagle doesn't do its job, there's no fruit. There's no life. And you see this almost throughout the Bible where God will raise people, will raise people up. He'll, or even if you go back to, go back to Genesis where God created the heavens and he created the earth. And then within the, even though the earth was good... He still created the Garden of Eden and placed them in it. And so there's a garden within the garden, and he had this like safe nest where it's, okay, this is a period. It's, it's safe to grow. It's safe to develop the relationship between, between us. It's time to, time to learn skills. It's time to, and he had this nurturing skill before we know what Adam and Eve did and that the, the Garden of Eden was, clo was closed off. But guided by the angels, so they couldn't get back here. Couldn't get back in once the angels come. And you see, and you see this with almost like with Joseph. You go through years as well with Joseph. There's a famine coming, so God moves Joseph before time, years years ahead, years before time, into Egypt to provide a safe place for his family, for his for his father and for the, for his family to come along. And you see, Egypt, Egypt is there, and it's like at that time, it's good. It's a safe place for them. Therefore the nation of Israel to grow, to grow in numbers, to become multiplied, become fruitful, and survive the famine that's around. God places them into a, situa a situation where it's time to grow. And we know about Moses, how Mo Moses was, was Hebrew, but yet he was raised up in the palace by Egyptians. And God puts him in a place of learning, of education, of if I can speak today, of education. He learns how to uh, lead a nation. He learns how to rule. He learns how to put things in place. It's a growing period. It's a safe place. It's a protection. We know God often puts us, wherever we see it or not, he'll put us in places where perhaps a season will be a season of, okay, this is a protection season, this is a season of, okay, you just need to, you need to develop the relationship that you have with me, you need to develop getting to know me, you need to develop your skills, you need to be intentional about this. You need to grow and develop because there's something else that's coming. There's something else that's, that's coming. And God will feed you, he'll look after you, he'll protect you, he'll protect you. But have you ever experienced 
those times when once was a nice, comfortable, I'm quite chilled, I'm quite relaxed, I'm being fed, I'm being blessed, I don't really need to do anything, life is good. And out of nowhere, you get a curveball coming your way. And sometimes you get the prod in the side, and it's like, where did that come from? And you're thinking, no, the devil's a liar. Rebuke that. And it, it, gets, shoved in the little, it gets shoved in the little moment. It's like, I'm in a safe place. I'm in a good place. What's, go- no, what's going on here? In the, same, in the same way, out of love, the parent eagles will disturb the nest because the nest isn't the finishing point. The nest is the starting point. And if you only spend your time in the nest, you'll never achieve. We don't always get to choose, for want of expression, our nests. We don't get to choose our parents, whether they're good or whether they're bad. We don't get to choose what culture, what country we get get born into. We don't, we don't choose where we get born into a loving home, into a not-so-loving home. We don't get, don't get to choose whether a family is rich or family's poor. Family's poor. We, get, we find ourselves in the situation that we are. But it doesn't mean that God is not with us. And, it's, and no matter what we go, go through, we all, we all learn, we all grow, we all, we all do have different experiences. And as you grow up, the worldviews that you have are influenced by your nest that surrounds you. So for some people, being in a healthy, nice, encouraging relationship is totally strange. It's not normal. Because they've grown up in their own nest where perhaps there's arguments, perhaps there's fighting, perhaps there's abuse, perhaps there's alcohol, drugs, whatever, whatever. And so being in some relationships that's nice and healthy and someone's complimenting you, it's just like, that's really weird because that's not the view that I have. That's not my experience. Even though what we sometimes grow up on, we, we treat as normal, it doesn't mean that it is normal. And so sometimes we, we grow up in, a situ, in situations and things, happen, and things happen, whether it's at home, whether it's with families, whether it's, whether it's, in, the, whether it's in the schools, what people speak into, into us. When we have, we have those times where it's growing, we have that worldview of, okay, I'm not too sure about that. And even though there's truth, even though this is what God wants for normal, other things affect us and affect our worldviews. And so when things happen, it's like, this is going, this is going good. It's just like some people will even sabotage good things because it's not normal to them. People will have a fantastic job and because the boss treats them right, because 
they're getting promotion. And it's like, this is weird. And so they sabotage it. They get promotion, so they sabotage the promotion because they'd rather go, they'd rather, I just want to go back down. I'd rather be down here. I don't want the promotion. It's just like, it's weird. It doesn't feel right. It's not me. This is my... Because when you're in the nest, all you think about is yourself. That's all you've got to worry about. When's my parent? When's my parents going to put food on the table? Thank you. It's like a chick. Not even the eagles. You, see, you, you go most most where most birds and even animals when they're when they're when they're hungry and they want their parents to feed them. All you hear is them then going, you know, that screech of "Feed me, feed me, feed me." But how often do we do that to God? I'm in my nest. I'm comfortable. I just want a blessing. Feed me. The blessing hasn't come yet. Give it a quick kick. It hasn't come yet. Something's not right. Give it another kick. No, something's not right. And honestly, we treat God like that, don't we? Because sometimes we just think about ourselves. We don't think about what's the purpose? What's the growing, what's the growing period? What's he trying to teach us? What he's trying to learn? And so you have Moses grow, grows up and de- develops, and we know that the, that the nation of Israel grows to such a state that the Pharaoh, at that, in, the Pharaoh gets, so scared, gets so scared, gets so concerned about this, uh, this nation of Israel that's in its land that it will overthrow them, overtake them. He puts them to, to forced labor, slave. It's a tyrant, tyranny. What was once as nice safe place becomes uncomfortable becomes a curse and if we don't learn to see okay God what are you trying to do in my life where are you trying to guide if we're so content I'm just going to sit here and just go try and reap all as much blessings as possible and we don't move and we don't say, okay, God, where are you trying to lead? What are you trying to, what are you trying to speak to me? What are you trying to get out of me? What are, you try, what are you trying to use? What are you trying to lead me to? All these different, question, all these different questions, if you, don't, if you don't explore them, you'll find that the nest will limit you and eventually kill you. You'll look back when you're old and go, where did my life go? Such a waste. I know we've got a leaky roof. But if you move the leaky roof out of the way and look up, that is a big sky. You happy in your nest? Are you happy? Good question. Are you happy? Do we just go through the motions of it's okay, I'm comfortable. I don't need to, to learn. I don't need to grow. I don't need to move. I, I'm just going to do damage control when a stick comes in and go just try and push it back out again. 
and just keep what I have instead of saying, okay, God, where are you trying to go? And for the nation of Israel, they go from one tyrant, and effectively, when they get moved out, and when they go, and they go into the wilderness, God moves them into a place where, again, it's a temporary situation. It's not their final destination. It's, it's hard. There's heat. There's flipping snakes. She is God. But yet, when we don't sort of see and we don't understand and we fight against it, sometimes we don't need the enemy. We got ourselves. We call other people tyrants. But if you look at sometimes what we do to ourselves, the nation of Israel, the nation of Israel, they go through, they go on this journey, and instead of realizing even that, that God, that God is with them, because they've grown up, and some of them have grown up and have been affected by the Egyptian culture that's around, someone said, "Make us golden calf. Can you even get your head around that?" You've literally seen a sea move apart. You've walked through it. How much more evidence do you need? I think if all of us, if that happened to all of us, I think that's like game changer. No, we're fully there. We fully believe. I mean, they go through that. They only have to wait a few days. But they go back to their way of, let's build a golden calf. While we while we're here, it's better off back in Egypt than it was here. Because having to trust, having to see what God is doing and to trust that He'll provide for you, He'll look after you, He'll circle you, He'll deliver you. That's tough. It takes faith. But God will stir up whatever nest that you have. Because you weren't built for the nest. All of us were built for purposes that God has planned before the creation of time. God has a purpose. He wants you, with the gifts that you have, to reflect his character to other people, to speak to other people, to minister to other people. He wants you to share your testimony with people so they get to encounter and you work, with, you work with God to see people set free, to experience what you have experienced. And then you give the glory back to God and it's like, okay, and there's more people. God wants you to use your gifts and abilities and the gifts and abilities that he's given you, he doesn't say, I'm going to take back. In fact, the Bible says that the gifts that he's given you, he won't take back. It's the case of you have a choice whether you use your gifts or you don't use your gifts. Or you get upscale your gifts. Or you get go and learn how to be a good manager, how to be a good teacher, sales assistant, you know, whatever it may be. Are you going to learn? Are you going to invest yourself? Are you going to do that for the glory of God? Because every single person in this room has a purpose. 
No one in this room is a waste of space. No one in this room is insignificant. All of you, including myself, in this room, were made for a purpose. We know that ultimate purpose, that to be with God, to, wor- to worship, to be in that relationship, to, uh, but, to, but to serve him. But as part of that ser- serving, we, we serve not to earn salvation, but we serve because we've been saved. And you find fulfillment, and you feel, a, you feel that joy of excitement when you use your gifts for his kingdom. Wherever that may be. If you build a healthy business that looks after its employees, that takes care, you're effectively a pastor. You're looking, up, you're looking after, you're responsible for people. How's their, health, how's their health doing? Treating them right, making sure they've got a good pension, make, making, sure, making sure the working conditions are okay, they're being fed, they're being equipped, they're being released, they're being spoken, they're being spoken into. Where it's in the hostel, caring for people. Someone's on their, perhaps on their, on their deathbed and they haven't experienced love before. And you go and you, and you give that person whatever time they have, the love and care. And you reflect God to them in the way that you treat them. Even though they're perhaps complaining about waiting times and all this sort of stuff. You give and you pour out because you, you want to show God's care for that person. And whatever, whatever it may be. And you can apply these principles to whatever. What has God called you to do? What gifts has God placed in you? What do you get excited about? What do you want to do? Because there comes a point where it doesn't look pretty at all. Have you ever seen a bird try to fly? You ever seen it? You know, arm goes up, couple of arms go up, and then they try and do that. I'm not going to try, try and do that little jump. They try and do the little jump. They try and get the head going. They try and get the arms. It's not a pretty sight. But you have to learn to build your muscle. You have to, you have to build strength. And God's saying, come on, you can do it. You can do it. But it's daunting because God will place you in places where it might be feeling like, you know, you're on the edge of a cliff and all you can see is down. Do you know when they say don't look down, you always look down? <laughs> and all you can see is like, all I can see is that I'm going to fail. And so that's the only way you look. Even though you've got a big open sky, the nest isn't the finishing point, the nest is the starting point. And it might look unpretty, but you've got to learn to fly. And learning to fly might be, okay, I'm going to, God, I'm going to trust you with this bit. I'm going to trust you 
with this situation. I'm going, to, I'm going to trust you with this relationship. I'm going to trust you with my workplace. I'm going to trust you with my job. I'm going to trust you with my finances. I'm going to trust you with my health. And bit by bit by bit, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to step out. I'm going to use my giftings in whatever shape or form because I want to do what you've called me to do. And bit by bit, you learn. It doesn't look pretty. You make mistakes. The amount of times we fall, you fall spank on your front of your head and thinking, do you know what, I'm not going to do that again. But if you want to fly, like God's called all of us to do, you have to allow him to stir the nest. You have to allow yourself to look a bit undignified, a bit like a fool, but we're learning. No one... I know we have to put our Sunday game face on, but no one in this room is perfect. I'm certainly not perfect. We all make mistakes. We all fall flat on our faces. But the nest isn't the destination. Sooner or later, you've got to learn how to jump. Sooner or later, you say, God, I'm going to trust you. I'm going to flap as hard as I can. but I'm going to trust you. And we wonder why, how did that person succeed over there? How did that person succeed doing that? How did that person, because they, they jumped. They might not be perfect. They might, be do, they, they might not be brilliant. The character might not, might not be fully Right, but they jumped. But sometimes we just like to sit in our nest, in our bed of excuses, and just go, I can't do that because I can't do that because. What have you told yourself that you can't do? What have you really, really, really wanted to do, but you've talked yourself out of it? Or perhaps your parents have talked yourself, talked you out of it. Do you know what? That's for other people. You're, you're, not, you're not good at that. Come and do this. And even though when you're younger you really wanted to go and do, so, do something, you knew that's what you're excited about, your parent, no, 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 don't, don't do that. That won't, that won't get you money. That won't get you a good job. Come and do this. And even though parents, we try to bring security to our, ki- our kids, sometimes the decisions that we make, even though they try to be made in the most loving way, we almost pass that pass that down to some of our kids and we say, no, don't, don't do that. That might be on your heart, but don't do that. Come do this. Come study this. You'll get a better job. And sometimes we can hinder people because we want to bring stability instead of allowing God to bring the stability. And it can be out of the best, in, best intentions and some of the things that your parents have said over you, some of the, some of the teachers that have spoken in, into your life might have been from the best intentions, some of it might not have been. 
But is that what God's called you to be? Do you know your do you know your identity? Are you trying to fit in and the thing that you do is trying to be you? Growing up, the academic side wasn't very good, as I've said many times. So I went and did sport. I thought, do you know what, I'll be James, the tennis player, the football, football player, well, no, all, all, this, all, this, all this sort of stuff. And you try and build your identity around you know, things, but actually, that's not who you are. Your identity starts with, starts with the form of your identity is in God. And that starts the journey. And as we start the journey with our walk with God, he shows you, he reveals, he reveals and he guides. And sometimes it's a bit untoo sure which way we should go. And sometimes we get a bit hesitant, say, do I go this way or do I go that way? Or do I take this opportunity? Do I take that opportunity? What opportunity do I do? And we seek, we seek advice. Do you know the disciples used to cast um, when Judas killed himself, so the next disciple to come in, Matthias, there's him and the other guys jumped out of my name, but they, used, they cast lots to decide who would be the disciple to replace Judas. And Matthias came in. You never hear of him again. We don't know if he was the right one, we don't know if he wasn't the right one. But sometimes we try and find, we try and do things that are different to say, okay, God, out of a, a guidance is more of a, I found more of a relationship. When you go a certain way, is he giving, is he giving you peace about it? Is he saying, do you know that you shouldn't be doing it? There's a, there's a, there's a check in your spirit and say, I shouldn't be doing it, but I'm going to go this way anyway because it's gratifying. And God's saying, do you know what? That's not the right way. An amazing thing is even though we go down the wrong way, he still travels along with us and guides us back. And there's consequences to our actions for choosing the wrong way but he's still with us as we work through it. And there's always restoration. No matter what, there's always forgiveness. If you, the Bible makes it clear, if we go the wrong way, if we, do the, if we do the wrong thing, if we offend, if we sin, if we come to God and truly repent and say, God, I'm really sorry, he will forgive you. He is for you more than you're for yourself. He's got more faith in you than you could possibly imagine. There's a lot of faces around here pondering and thinking. 
It's never too late. It's never too late. For some of you, it might be going back to God and saying, God, I've been going down this route. And I want to come back. Or I've got all these gifts and abilities, and I haven't really wanted, I, w- I wanted to do it, but I haven't really wanted to do it. I'm not too sure if I should. I'm not too sure if I shouldn't. And it's almost like God's saying, there's a blank canvas. What do you want to paint? What do you want to draw? Where do you want to go? What do you want? And he will do it with you. And he will inspire you and he will inspire you and use you. God stirs the nest because he wants to challenge the limitations of our nest. But as you begin to trust, as you begin to as you begin to grow, as you begin to move forward, as you start to perhaps upscaling skills, learning learning new learning new things. you begin to realize that in the nest that you're in, it's like, how did I stay in here? Is this really what it looks like? And when you move, and you move on, you move on it's, like, it's like, well, that place was good, but how did I live there? How did I put up with that nonsense for so long? Why did I put up with that? Why did I allow the enemy to speak into my life all that time? Have you seen the mess that's there? Why didn't I see? And as you journey, and as you grow, you'll start to see that a journey takes place. The nest is stirred, you get stronger, and eventually you'll start to fly. And God will lead, again, as you're flying, God will lead you, but sometimes you then hit the altitude problems. A bit of turbulence. Who likes a good airplane flight? <laughs> turbulence, takeoff, and landing are the best bits. Everything else is boring. Gotta love good. It's like when I was, when I was when I went to, uh, on the way, went to Romania on the way back, um, you, get to, you get to choose where you sat. And the, the guy in a, uh, said, where do you want to sit? And I went, and I pointed to the seat, and he says, but you can't see anything. And I was like, I know. He goes, have this seat at the front. I said, I said, no, I want that seat there. He goes, but you can't see anything. There's beautiful countryside. And I said, I know, but you get more turbulence here. You feel the full force of the engine going up and, and landing. This is the best spot. And he looked at me, and was like, what are you like? <laughs> but it was amazing. You sat in the plane, I thought, okay, here we go, and you, and you felt it, it's like, okay, 
this makes it more entertaining. Then you go back to your snacks and whatever entertainment that you, that you do. But takeoff, landing, and a good bit of turbulence. Because I trust that the pilot knows what he's doing. But in the same way, same way I'm trusting the pilot knows what he's doing, I'm trusting that even though I'm going through a bit of turbulence, I'm trusting God. We're going through turbulence, but I know this isn't the destination. And as you follow, you can be at one altitude and have turbulence. But if you go up a few feet, it's fine. And as you grow and as you develop, you'll start to navigate. You'll start to see, okay, it's turbulent here, but not just in the physically, but in spiritually, I can go up to that next level. I can learn. I can discover. I can encounter. I can, I can follow. I'm not limited to one altitude surrounded by I've got the whole sky where I can move around. Time goes so fast, doesn't it? He wants to challenge our limitations. Are we just stuck on the bless me's? Are we just so focused on ourselves? Isolation. They did uh, during COVID. They did an, uh, a study on isol- on, is- on isolation. And um, they started before, but there was a survey that that, that took it um, during and came out and finished and it finished afterwards. And they said that during COVID, because people were isolated. People's self exploded more than any other period in history for for the people that they that they studied. They compared it to the growth rate because isolated is about what you can get on the TV. It's about what you can get. It's all it's all about all about self. So self increased. But what they also found out in a study is that. People who are isolated and alone and think about themselves, they, no, they're the lone wolves. Don't need anyone, they just do themselves. Their lifespan is shorter. Even if you do all the running, even if you're a fitness and food freak and just eat you know, all the latest trends, your lifespan on average is shorter than someone who likes a good McDonald's, <laughs> who likes to perhaps have steaks and, and has the social aspect. They say, you can eat unhealthy to a limit. Don't get me wrong, you still go play a bit of a, uh, still go change your heart and things like that, but they say, if you've got the social aspect, if you start thinking about others, you start looking after others, if you start, interac- if you start interacting, building friendships, start interacting outside of yourself, your lifespan will be longer. Which is incredible. And it gives me a little bit of hope as well. But there's this element of actually, are we so focused on ourselves that God's, as part of God's character, he says, I'm growing you up, but it's not for yourself. He says this about David, he says it about Hezekiah. He says, I have blessed you for the sake of the people. The only two people he says that about. 
And the gifts that we have aren't for us. They give us satisfaction. It's like, thank you, but actually they're to bless other people. About caring for other people. And you get to a point where you know how you're growing in God and as you're taking each step because your love of God goes up because you're seeing what he is doing and he's just like, God, thank you, thank you so much. But then when you start thinking about others, when you start thinking about others, you start seeing your discipleship grow even more. And they're the two greatest commandments, isn't it? Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. But on a personal reflection, are we so focused on self and thinking that we're mature that we're not really thinking about others? There comes a point where when we look at discipleship, when we look at our relationship with God, when we look at our journey with God, we can't stay as the eaglet and just go, feed me, feed me, bless me, bless me. There comes a transition page where, page, stage, a transition, a transition, that's the word, transition stage, where you have to take, we have to take ownership of our own individual journeys. You have to take that next step. God is there with you, and he's encouraging, and he wants you to do it, but you've got to take ownership. I've got to take ownership of my journey. If I don't spend time with God... If I don't know how to, to follow him, that's not your fault, that's my fault. It's not Fraser's fault, that's my fault. Your spiritual journey is your responsibility. We have a, we have a, a, a duty and a responsibility and a care because we want to see all of you grow and develop and be far better than what even what we, far better than what even we can see. But there's only so much we can do. You have to go do it. We'll support you. We'll cheer you on. We'll encourage you. We'll do everything that we can to help in whatever way we can do. Whatever our resources are limited, but you have got to, you've got to want it. Are you happy? Are you happy? Can you hear God? And I'll say this as encouragement, is that actually you can hear God for your own. If you build in that relationship and spend, spend time and develop that, take that next step, 
where it's a couple minutes praying, a couple minutes reading your Bible each day, building that relationship up, learning to guide, learning to do, do all this. If you start do, doing that, you don't have to go to conferences to hear the next word. You don't have to live from conference to conference, from word to word. You can have that encounter and personal ex- experience as much as the conferences and all that are good and they have their, pl- have their place. But that first encounter starts with that personal relationship, learning to imitate, learning to flap. What, God, what are you trying to teach me? Because if you're not getting new stuff, and it's the same with myself as well, if I'm not reading, if I'm not developing my, my relationship with God, all that I'm going to be giving you is stale bread. It won't give life. It will do for, for up until a point, but there's fresh stuff. Are you happy?